I, I, all I do all this shit in front of Stevie, so don't look, don't look fucked up. Stevie done some fucked up shit to me. <laughs> Let me tell you about the time he came up to the radio station when I was on the beat out here. Stevie was supposed to be performing live or, or doing keyboards, and he was late. And I had just bought this brand new truck called, called a Lincolnwood a long time ago. I'm on the radio. I get a phone call. It's Stevie Wonder. I say, yo, Stevie, where you at, man? You supposed to be here. Now, I'm on 19th floor on Wilshire doing my radio show. I say, Stevie, where you at? He said, I'm here, man. I'm just pulling up. I said, well, you can't drive. <laughs> he said, oh, yes, I can. Look out the window. This mother was in my new truck <laughs> with the windows down and it was moving real slow and the mother was waving, was waving. Marilyn Manson can walk into our town and promote hate, violence, suicide, death, drug use, and Columbine-like behavior. I can say, oh, wow. Linking violence in movies to higher levels of aggression and violent behavior Recognizing that many children love violent movies. So motherfuckers are always trying to escape. Take a look around! Dodge this. Welcome to Take a Look Around. My name is Shawnee Campion, the man without fear. And as always, I am joined by my guardian devil, Alistair Batesy Bates. How are you today, Batesy? I'm fantastic, Sean. How are you? I am wonderful. I love to hear that. Because hearing is my superpower. Really? That's so funny <laughs> yeah. you mentioned that. Because I also have some kind of heightened senses. Uh touching sure okay smelling uh but not the other one what's the other one we're thinking of uh taste mm, no there's another big one smell <laughs> oh i'm sure we'll work it out we'll work it out in the episode anyway they haven't giggled yet but maybe they'll giggle later we have a special guest in the room ladies and gentlemen we have lauren bonner here tonight How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I was, I didn't know whether it was a thing where like, I don't pretend I'm here. I pretend I, well, how do you, I don't know how to talk. That's how I'm going in lockdown. Yeah, no, fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's quite nice to have somebody in the room that isn't just myself. <laughs> yeah, if you'd popped up before we introduced you, I would have lost the plot. I would have just completely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and for the listener as well. <laughs> yeah. like, Who is that? <laughs> uh, Lauren, you have just been on the Australian comedy lockdown special oh. on Stan. Yeah. You did a fantastic set. With your cool cat, which I found out some inside Hollywood gossip. Oh, yeah. I won't spill the beans, but uh, yeah. A yeah. little, <laughs> little bit of gossip. Well, look, I'll tell the listeners uh, exclusively to this podcast, it's not my cat. Oh my God. <laughs> it's confirmed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> On top of that, you host the fantastic Were You Hot in High School with... I can never get B's last yeah. name right because I'm uh, horrible. I, I know, actually. It's because you're racist. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, no, I forgot about that. <laughs> uh, with B, Barbo Skirla, Um That's how you say it. That's um, you learn every day. Yeah. <laughs> the podcast where we ask people if they were hot in high school. I'll save you some time. No. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Sean? Were you hot? I really like the podcast, Lauren. I, 
I really like the podcast and the concept of it. I really oh, enjoyed the episode you. you did with Alexi. But anytime I have any kind of there's a moment of silence and I have to think about the concept <laughs> of the high school uh, of the podcast, I break out. <laughs> and, uh, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> high school never happened. <laughs> but before we get started, uh, Sean, is there any kind of upcoming new metal movies or news that you could pray tell tell us about oh i'm so glad you asked al but as normal before i get stuck into it i'm gonna need a drum roll (laughs) okay for the year of our lord 2020 there are no new new metal film. This is the oh worst my day god, my what a hard thing to believe. And you know what else is incredibly hard to believe? A priest and a blind superhero walk into a church. Uh, no, I've got nothing for Daredevil, honestly. The movie's Daredevil. <laughs> Are you here to confirm that Daredevil is responsible for this, Detective? There is no proof that Daredevil even exists. He can hear it. Before it makes a sound. You can sense it before it happens. He can vanish before you realize he's there. And he's the last person you'd ever expect. Police suspect the vigilante Daredevil was the one to bring the criminals to justice. I don't know why you read that trash. You want the truth? Tell me. She's hideous. Excuse me. I just wanted to get your name. Does every guy have to go through all this to find out your name? You should try asking for my number. I've been following that piece you wrote about the kingpin. How do you kill a man without fear? Let the bodies hit them. Give me bullseye. The devil's mine. Justice is found here before justice finds you. How can you be a skeptic? If there's no eyewitness, I mean, you know, Bigfoot has eyewitnesses. Please. I guess this movie starts out with a wet little rat running around in a puddle. It's the big apple, baby. It lets you know straight away. This movie does one of my least favorite things ever, which is... This whole movie's a flashback up until a certain point. Movies really love that around this area, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, the movie's a flashback within a flashback. They're like, this is a clever way to get started. Like, I don't know, I'm not a fan. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't get it, like, because the opening shot is, well, we now know, it's him, like, falling into the church, basically, and he's injured because of all the fighting in the movie that we're about to see. Yeah. But I was like, why did he fall? Is it because he's blind? Like, what? I thought it was like a comic relief. Thought it was a bit of like, thought it was like a Deadpool moment. You know? Yeah, this is not the gritty Mr. Magoo reboot that we were hoping for. No, not at all. Very few specs that indicate that he's blind. First thing I noticed was the torrent of this film I downloaded was in Turkish. So... As soon as everybody started talking, 
<laughs> I, uh, <laughs> eventually I figured out how to turn the subtitles on, and this was around the time AJ Soprano started to beat up Little Daredevil. Yes! <laughs> what a treat yeah, that right. was! We get a flashback inside a flashback inside another flashback <laughs> going on, as we see young Matt Murdock growing up in Hell's Kitchen, or as he calls it, Clinton nowadays. I don't know necessarily whereabouts uh, Hell's Kitchen is in New York. I looked it up just down from a Uniglow and just up from a H&M. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, it seems to be doing pretty well for itself. As Al said, Matt Murdock is getting absolutely wailed on by AJ from The Sopranos, which instantly establishes this film's new metal cred. And if that wasn't enough, he then starts running through the streets to the tunes of some absolutely bombastic new metal to come home to his alcoholic prize fighter dad, Batlam Jack the Devil Murdoch. The, the dad kind of just the classic, look kid, I know you got beaten up, but I don't want you to fight back. I want you to learn the book so you don't have to fight like your old man has to fight. There's an amazing line where it says, the only thing I want you hidden is the books. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Maddie, it's me, your father, Maddie, Batlin Jack Murdoch. And on this day, September 11th, 2001, they got him, Maddie. That wicked jag, Osama bin Laden, he got the Twin Towers. You should have seen it, Maddie, but you can't see because you blind and you're going to grow up to be a daredevil. Promise me you grow up to be a daredevil, Maddie. You promise me. I kind of noticed that little Matt has the same hair color as Sharon Osborne as well. It's just that weird purplish red <laughs> just the whole time. In a very long roundabout way, Matt goes to visit his dad. And his dad turns out to be a mafia standover man. Yeah. And as a result, he starts crying and running away. And a forklift driver hits a pile of goo. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's like biohazard signs <laughs> yeah. everywhere. Very pointed. But for a moment, because the forklift like turns towards him, I thought it was going to stab him in the eyeballs. <laughs> so I like gasped and turned away. But it actually turns, yeah, it tears open a barrel marked biohazard <laughs> and it sprays the poison in his eyes and we get like that spider-man dna yeah, in the eyeball yeah. shot of like all the dna going <laughs> yeah and then he just wakes up and he hears everything in the world now yeah beautiful is that it <laughs> yeah and it's just the whole uh yeah i got superpowers super hearing now because i'm blind and that's just how it works being blind we're missing oh yeah shit no you're right story there you're right his dad getting his dad uh, make yes. a pact to each other important that uh they're gonna be two bruisers two prize fighters together it's revealed that batlin jack murdoch he's not as good of a fighter as he thinks when it's pointed out that he's 42 <laughs> and still fighting in high school gyms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the wheelchair guy from Breaking Bad informs him that he has been intentionally been set up to win these fights, but he's got to take a big old fall for the local mafia uh, or they're going to kill him. Lo and behold, he decides not to take a fall. This film fast forwards, how many years do you reckon? 30 years, 20 years? He's like 12 and then Ben Affleck as an adult is like 35. Yeah, yeah. It cuts to him getting out of this water sarcophagus and 
in what was the most relatable thing I've seen in a movie ever was his knees popping whilst he got out of bed. <laughs> just this loud groan. <laughs> just, For me, it was when he gets out of the water coffin he uses to shut out humanity, starts yeah, yeah. blasting new metal and takes three <laughs> bottles of Percocet. Yeah, That's my yeah. morning ritual as well. From this scene, it cuts to him in front of a courtroom just in front of that in god we trust which is really smart well, in devil we trust. <laughs> <laughs> we're treated to about 15 different justices blind puns in the space of two minutes yeah they really rely on him being blind as a source of humor i don't know do you think the representation of daredevil in this film is like a step forward for the blind community or is it like an ableist depiction I'm going to go with that ableist depiction. (laughs) I was wondering about the same thing when I started watching this, Lauren. And then as soon as I saw the opening sequence in which the city lights of New York City get turned into Braille messages, I was like, oh, (laughs) maybe not. (laughs) Now you just wave it in the face. (laughs) Not to jump forward, but there's this whole sequence where he's in a courtroom and he's just looking in the complete wrong direction. And that's just the joke where he's talking yeah. to the jury, but he's actually talking to a wall. <laughs> a bit of that. In this courtroom sequence, we find Matt Murdock defending a woman who has been sexually assaulted by Jose Cusada, named after the current Marvel Comics editor-in-chief of the year 2003. I never understood why he was like, yeah, make me the rapist character. I want to be in the Daredevil movie. Why would you want that camera? I know, every, everyone else in the film that has a bit part is named after another piece of editorial staff in the history of Daredevil. And this guy's like, yeah, I'll be the rapist. <laughs> So, gets off scot-free despite Matt's fantastic work as a blind lawyer. And, uh, but Matt just, now, Matt, Matt is like, oh, you know what? It's fine, because I'm going to get justice. Proceeds to some kind of leather Ali G into house sequence where he puts on his costume for the first time. Where did he get this costume from? It has stippling, it's got buckles, it's got a logo. Who made this film? He's got like three like masks as well. Like he's got multiples because yeah. he's washing them. But also is he washing them? Does he have a laundromat? Yeah, that's there's no man. No, did he get like some like leather artisan from Etsy to make it? <laughs> I was reading apparently it took like Eight months to get the perfect measurements for Ben Affleck's uh, Daredevil suit. It's like, really? That's. We're treated to an amazing sequence in which Caseta, the rapist, is celebrating getting off scot free from his rape trial. Uh, one of his flunkies at the bar says, Hey, chief! Get a load up there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Literally, that bit, they're like, he's, and doesn't a guy say, he's like, yo, is this guy for real? <laughs> <laughs> How did he get up there? Fun bit of trivia, uh, the flunky who says, is this guy for real, is the cousin of Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Wow, that is a fun bit of trivia. (laughs) (laughs) Now, we're then treated to a sequence that looks like, you know that part of the night where, like, your pinger takes a turn and you've had about 12 beers and everything just turns into migraine mode? Yeah, there's a lot of vomit and diarrhea. (laughs) Just, like, an epileptic nightmare if the blood rave or the nightclub sequence in blade 2 made you dizzy stay the fuck away from the fight scenes in this i i don't understand the logic of it either because 
him his whole character is like no justice needs to be administered correctly the courts do not work and then he just operates as a vigilante and outside he of kills this guy I feel like it'd be a more productive use of time to use your energy for court reform yeah, <laughs> instead yeah. of going around beating he people up. T- he stalks Casada down to a subway and pushes him in front <laughs> of a subway train. And that's actually the one... Because I, I was like, am I going to take notes during this movie? And then after I took this note, I was like, I'm not taking any more notes. <laughs> um, I just wrote down what he said. So he pushes him onto the train tracks and then there's like a train coming. And then Daredevil says, that light at the end of the tunnel... That's not heaven. That's the sea train! (laughs) Uh, I mean, in Turkish, it was so poetic as well. (laughs) Now, next up, we get... So we get Jon Favreau in his first appearance in a Marvel film, won't be his last, as Foggy Nelson, who's kind of the comic relief of this film, as uh, Matt's hapless partner in crime in the... Their little law firm, Nelson and Murdoch, who seem to get paid in basketballs and plates of fish. You know, Foggy's not happy about this because, uh, as he points out immediately in his first speech, he wants to create a moral vacuum with his clients and he does not care about the legal system. He then tries to pour mustard in Matt's coffee. He seems like a genuinely (laughs) unhappy and mean-spirited person. And this is also where the film kind of takes a turn for the creepy, because Ben Affleck suddenly smells Jennifer Garner walking down the street in the most sense. And it's implied that he has, like, this sense for hot women. Yeah. (laughs) Which I also said, I don't know if this is actually really problematic to say. But I was like, shouldn't blind people date ugly people? Like, distribute them. Like, don't... (laughs) It's it's unfair. It's kind of like, you know, like soft eugenics where it's just like, these people are supposed to reproduce. (laughs) No, I mean, like, don't waste Jennifer Garner on someone who can't even see it. Lauren, if you pitch that to some guy with an anime girl avatar on Twitter, he's probably like, that's right, the state gives you a girlfriend, blind people get the ugly people. That's how it works. Obviously, that is what would should happen. Yes. Now, Jennifer Garner plays Electra Nachios, the daughter of a Greek billionaire who's got mob ties. Now, Jennifer Garner was coming off uh, an absolutely stellar run of the first and second season of Alias, but. As a Greek assassin, Electra Nachios, the closest she gets to being Greek is having a chicken kebab with sweet yeah. chili sauce uh, on it. I thought her last name was Nachos. Right? That was like, there's like this whole fight scene, all this build up, and he's like, what's your name? What's your name? And then she's like, electric Nachos. <laughs> and can we please talk about this fight sequence after they leave the coffee shop? Whose bright idea was this? This took seven days to shoot, apparently. (laughs) And at no point was anyone like, this is the dumbest sequence committed to cinema. What I love about it as well is the whole time I was like, what Daredevil is doing is creepy. Like, he shouldn't be grabbing the lady, but what are the ethics on beating up a blind guy? Yes, just all of it. Like, just all of it. Like, I... 
for listeners who like haven't watched the movie or maybe can't like directly remember every scene <laughs> but like he like approaches her and then he like grabs her arm and he's like wait and she like fights him off and then he's like oh and he like starts fight they're just fighting he fights <laughs> they're just beating each other up in front of children as well they're in a children's yes. yeah she says i don't like to be touched and he proceeds to punch her in the face and say what do you like uh, all this for your name try asking me for my number we are transported to an irish bar that's probably called o'finnegan's mccool's or something like that where colin farrell's bullseye is sculling a pint and throwing darts at the center of the dartboard one after the other while House of Pain plays. Yeah, luck It's of the, the most Boston image you have ever seen. <laughs> and it's also worth pointing out, if Bullseye was a talented darts player, he'd know that the Bullseye is not actually the highest number of points on the board. Bullseye is, is yelled at by some guy he was playing darts at. So he proceeds to chop a paperclip up into tiny pieces and throw it at this guy's throat until he dies. And when I was 13 years old, I thought killing someone with a paperclip was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. (laughs) At 29, when I look back at Bullseye's character, who was introduced with a dartboard kind of burned into his forehead and a snakeskin trench coat... He looks ridiculous. (laughs) And all those sweet, sweet ear piercings. (laughs) And then, but can we talk about him going through airport security? Yeah. That was the craziest sequence I've ever seen. I I feel like I've seen that as a sequence on... Twitter or something. Did you? Was that Lauren, in your did version? Did you download the director's cut? Have we all watched? I three did. Different, <laughs> the director's cut Have we <laughs> all watched three different versions of the same film? <laughs> the director's cut, the Turkish, and a theatrical. Oh. <laughs> well, it's good now. We can give like a well-rounded perspective. Lauren, please take us through the airport security scene. I'm excited. I. Are you okay? Like, I wouldn't ever recommend that someone watch this film again, but for that scene, I think you should look it up. Um, it's it's what's his name, Bullseye, going yeah. through airport security basically, and he's wearing his trench coat and like just being such a psycho. And he like walks through the scanner and obviously goes off. He's covered in metal. Mm. Then he like pulls like a paperclip out of his mouth and like gives it to the TSA agent. And then he just looks at the drug dog and it like goes. Like whimpers, <laughs> and then they just let him through, and I was like, they just no, wouldn't like let him through. In New York in yeah, world. like he, that man is not. I love the through. idea that he's just got a paperclip in his mouth as well, just chilling yes. on a paperclip as as the Irish are known to do. But yeah. just like the incongruity of like bullseye like as himself wearing that just in an airport with everyone (laughs) it was so dumb back in the real world we get to see the first date between electric nachos and maddie (laughs) murdoch daredevil and electra go up to the roof to tell each other about their sordid and dark past and their daredevil's like oh it's about to rain She's like, no, it's not. He's like, no, nah, no, nah, just a minute, just a minute. It then proceeds to pour rain all down over her. And we're treated to some PlayStation 1 graphics 
of Jennifer Garner's face loaded up in a rainstorm where he can see each raindrop reflecting back in his like weird blind supervision. And he's like, damn, you thick. There's just this weird B plot of uh, this sub Boston legal courtroom (laughs) drama that is so confusing. (laughs) Killed by Coolio. Or it wasn't killed by Coolio and I, yeah. I don't know. I didn't, I just... Well, I'm glad that I completely had all of that erased because I watched the theatrical version. Coolio appears in the trailer for this film, but what? makes no appearance in the oh theatrical film at all. No Coolio, baby. He's in the Turkish yeah, release. He's in the Turkish. But there's no airport in the Turkish <laughs> oh <my> release. <laughs> so Turkish people love Coolio. <laughs> there's like at least would you say there's 20 to 30 minutes of coolio in this at movie? least it's yeah. a whole thing there's a whole role there's like a it, it gives like a resolution to it it's yeah, it's also yeah. like john favreau kind of sorts it all out for him it's yeah it's yeah his shining this moment rocks <laughs> now back in the theatrical cut we find ourselves at the black and white ball which is supposed to be some kind of like fancy upper crust new york uh, socialite event that Foggy and Matt have been uh, invited to at the behest of Electric Nachos. Now, I really love the idea in a city of 15 million people that people keep walking up to Matt Murdock and Foggy and saying, oh, Hey, the um, blind guys! <laughs> now, around this point, we should probably introduce the other antagonist of the film, which is the probably the only guy that's the inspired casting of this film, which is Michael Clark Duncan as the Kingpin, the head of all organized crime in Hell's Kitchen in New York City. Now, after some terse dialogue back and forth with uh, Matt Murdock and Foggy, where Foggy basically says, hey, yeah, we'll, we'll support you. I really don't care about the justice system. I love money. <laughs> he then proceeds to inform Electric Nachos' his father, who's the guy with the fez from The Mummy Returns. Is <laughs> just like, hey, I'm going to kill you. I don't like you anymore. Bullseye's gonna kill you. So, Electric Nachos and her father flee the scene in a limo, and we are then cut back and forth with Colin Farrell (laughs) surfing on a motorcycle before chucking ninja stars into a limousine over the top of some sweet new metal tunes i was like i wasn't watching this with anyone but i kept like turning to the other side of the couch to be like do you see what is this Um, he kills electric nachos his dad but with daredevil's walking stick baton uh is gary joining the podcast He's got a lot to say about Colin Farrell, I reckon. He enjo- he's probably the only guy that enjoyed killing of a sacred deer, Gary did. So, yeah, at this point, we find ourselves at the funeral for Electric Nachos' his dad, who uh, I guess we don't have to remember his name because he's dead now. And we get our first taste of an Evanescence track. The absolutely sterling number, My Immortal. When was the last time you guys heard this song? I had this CD. I had this album. This was one of the first albums I ever bought, I'm pretty sure. it was Same, yeah, probably. 
I think it was like this, Nelly Furtado, and Good Charlotte. Oh, the holy trinity. (laughs) The big three of 2003. (laughs) Flashback to the movie itself, and we get Joey Pants from The Sopranos hitting up his morgue contact at uh, the School of Pathology, who's got something to show him. It's Kevin Smith. Was that Kevin Smith? Everyone's in this. It's all star. So Kevin Smith was the one that put up Ben Affleck for the role. Is Ben Affleck, like, he's not cancelled, is he? But he's, the people have kind of turned on him. Yeah. Right? But I couldn't, I don't know, I didn't actually research it. I don't think he did anything crook. I think he's just, like, a bit of a schmuck. Him and Matt Damon had a close working relationship with Harvey Weinstein. And uh, Matt Damon came to Weinstein's defence Ben Affleck's little brother Casey got cancelled. So he kind of forms this like Venn diagram of cancelled people where he's in the middle yeah. just as an alcoholic divorced dad. <laughs> and he's like, I don't know. And he's always walking around LA like smoking darts with his girlfriend and just like being like, he looks so unwell. <laughs> um, this all kind of culminates in some big fight scene on a rooftop where Electra. And Daredevil gets stabbed and... Yeah, the big one. It is really all a blur. I just wish somebody leant out of a window just like, All right, already, we get it! (laughs) Shut up! No, it's around this time that we flash back to where we started. Look, I'm at a disadvantage here. I did watch the film in a different (laughs) language. (laughs) But, uh, (laughs) yeah, at this point... It really, I just had no idea what was going. He, it ends up he doesn't kill Bullseye because we see him at the end alive. But and, and his weakness is just getting shot in his hands. Like he just gets shot in the hands and he's like, oh my God, my hands. Very Don't symbolic though. And he does, he holds up his hands oh, with like the stick And he's like, like show they're in a church. Kicks him out the window. And he's the devil, but yeah. normally God shows mercy. But the devil shows mercy. I missed all of this symbolism because I was eating chips and dip at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's super deep if you ever don't have any chips left and just want to watch it. Just There's so many layers. I feel like this film film has an important message as well that being blind shouldn't stop you from beating Irishmen up. Now, we get one final fantastic scene before it all ends, which is Joey Pants' Ben Urich character, and he's publishing a story of Daredevil is actually Matt Murdock, and then decides to completely delete the story, and is just got the biggest smug, like, my work here is done look on his face, and it's like, you didn't do anything! <laughs> You've just kind of been wandering around in a kangool the whole movie! <laughs> Alec, do you have that uh, expose on Daredevil? <laughs> well, the craziest thing happened. I finished it and decided to delete all of it. <laughs> then he walks out and Daredevil's there. What does he say to Daredevil when he sees him? Does he say like... Yeah, he, he says, go yeah. get him. <laughs> it's like, you're just a journalist. You're like... P- it's like Peter Fitzsimmons. Like, imagine that. Like, just <laughs> pretending... 
Well, Peter Fitzsimmons has kind of got the same, like, daredevil mask. <laughs> <laughs> Pull the bandana down, Peter. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> so nothing more happened in the Turkish one or the, or the director's cut. We still get the ridiculous ending. Coolio gets released. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God. Justice is served. So... We've talked about it a lot on our previous Blade episodes, also our Spawn episode, about where superhero films were at this point. After the success of Blade, but after their bankruptcy, Marvel Comics had very little left in their stable in terms of what to do for a film. What they knew, though, was that their films were making money. Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2 had been an absolute box office bonanza in 2000 and 2002. And this film went to cinemas with copies of X-Men 2 trailer attached to it. So we were really at the start of Marvel really like kicking off. What the thing was is that all they had left in their roster was Ghost Rider, The Punisher, and Daredevil. Characters that aren't exactly synonymous with big bucks. So this was definitely Sure. Kind of, what's the word? Again. All three of those them. characters fucking suck. <laughs> That's another thing they all have in common. <laughs> now Mark Stephen Chapman is a writer from 90s Hollywood. Uh, who pitched himself as the writer for this film on the fact that he was a massive Daredevil nerd who knew everything about so the just character. A massive <laughs> yeah, basically. Now, his filmography up until this point is utterly bizarre as a choice. He was the writer of the Walter Matthau film series and he also directed that Michael Keaton Spirit of Christmas film, Jack Frost. Oh, wow. And suddenly Marvel's like, yeah, let's give this guy $80 million to make a dark, edgy, Catholic, blind superhero come to life. So I guess another thing we've learned is that there are just huge differences between the theatrical and the director's cut <laughs> where uh, I think a whole plot was just excised which yeah. was Coolio all 30 minutes of Coolio's back like what's the deal with that <laughs> apparently Sony got cold feet at the last minute and freaked out about the concept of this being a, a hard R or an MA15 plus and demanded this be M15 right. PG13 well, which meant excising a good 30 minutes to the film by all accounts the original script that mark stephen chapman turned in for the project before it hits filming and before he was chosen as director was absolutely fantastic this would be two to three years before batman begins so the idea of a dark and edgy superhero done right was yet to actually have been achieved unless you count blade but they're not really superhero films were were they going to um try and put spider-man and daredevil together or was that just not even considered? well supposedly i know i mentioned sony before this is actually a 20th century fox production any references to spider-man from daredevil's history were completely excised ben Urich writes for spider-man's newspaper the kingpin was originally a spider-man villain kingpin is the villain in into the spider-verse oh he is isn't he 
That's a great movie. If only that had two Evanescent songs back to back. Now, Ben Affleck and Jennifer Garner as casting choices. Uh, ben Affleck was hitting his kind of stride in the early 2000s. He'd just come off the sum of all fears in Pearl Harbor. He was the current, you know, current heartthrob going around. Jennifer Garner had just done two seasons on Alias, which was the hottest show on TV, but she'd yet to really transition properly into films. They, I don't know. Did she really ever transition properly into films? Uh, I guess Juno, suddenly 30. <laughs> like, what do you... Oh, yeah. Mm, suddenly true. 30. It was a big movie. And you know what's funny? I was just talking to my housemate about this, how I was doing Daredevil for this podcast. And I knew, actually, I was reminded. I was like, oh, like, you actually really into Daredevil and Electra. I remember her, like, being into Electra. And she was like, yeah, like, because I always watch Alias and, like, because Jennifer Garner was, like, a busty brunette, like, in media. And, like, I never right. really saw that because she's a busty brunette. Right. So she was, like, <laughs> the representation. <laughs> and I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The marginalized group in this film is large-chested brunette white women. So this is actually was quite a commercial hit at the time. This um, had the highest gross of the year for a film of its budget ranking. It was a critical nosedive. Like people thought that it was schlocky and dumb. Daredevil itself would go through a number of different incarnations over the years. Uh, David Slade of 30 Days of Night had a version he was pitching. Joe Carnahan from the A-Team wanted to reboot the film in 1970s New York. The rights reverted back to Marvel in 2012 where this film was uh, turned into a Netflix TV series starring Charlie Cox from Downton Abbey yeah. as Daredevil and Vincent <laughs> D'Onofrio as the Kingpin in one of the genuine best acting roles of any Marvel-related property. He, he really knocks it out of the park. That TV series is worth a watch for the first season. The rest is all garbage. <laughs> Now, the film's soundtrack and score is by Graham Revell. Now, in the early 80s, Graham Revell was operating as a musician out of Sydney, Australia. He was a bed nurse at a psychiatric facility where he broke a guy out to, fill, to start a band called Surgical Penis Clinic. He would then, in the 90s, after doing the score for Dead Calm, would transition into being Hollywood royalty after producing the score for CSI. It always makes me laugh that the guy from SPK is the basis for Jason Siegel's character in Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Oh. I forgot all about that. But it's not CSI, it's like... It's it's based on his life. And so that's like yeah. basically him. Shut no. Wait, so is that whole movie based on his life? No. Okay. This is happening again. You're not here. Like, I can't see. Now, the other big part of this film's soundtrack is the way that it uses new metal. Like, it's been a little while since we've watched a film that has worn its new metal chops on its wow. sleeve as hard as this film has. It is pretty much responsible for Bring Me to Life by Evanescence becoming the epic smash hit that it was as this film's soundtrack was its first release. Bring Me to Life also kind of, while it was a smash hit, 
it was also kind of the death knell for new metal music as it was the last top 10 billboard hit a new metal single would ever have so far (laughs) (laughs) don't give up boys New metal was on its way out, even if those were platinum selling records. And so that was really the final last hurrah. And they were probably kind of the pop stars of that third generation of new metal, along with Incubus, Slinkin' Park, Papa Roach, those bands. Was there, um, I didn't pick it, I watched it with my boyfriend, but was there Hooberstank at the beginning? I really think that was Hooberstank when he's like, being a blind kid and like zipping around beating up AJ from the Sopranos. Yeah, uh, that sounded incredibly Huber Stanky to me. The only um, anecdote I have about Huber Stank, because <laughs> I have one, is their big song, The Reason. That was like their big single, I think. I remember like when my parents were on the brink of divorce, my dad bought that CD single to like play to my mum. Oh no. But then it got stuck in the CD player of his like (laughs) six CD player in his Commodore. So she had to like go sit in his car and listen to the CD single of Hooberstank. (laughs) 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 He's like, I need you to hear this. I can't communicate in words how much it means. Let Hooberstank (laughs) put it for me. (laughs) The song means everything to me. Please do not ask the name of the band. (laughs) This is probably the most anybody's said Hooberstank in a very long time. Basically, Hooberstank broke up my parents' marriage. (laughs) Fuck it, yeah. (laughs) Hooberstank, if you're listening, you guys are cancelled. The party's at the floor. School? The party's at the floor. School! Lauren, I'm not sure if you're aware of the song Let the Bodies Hit the Floor by Drowning Pool. It's the new metal Freebird or Thunderstruck. I've seen, <laughs> I've seen like a, a vine or something yeah, with, it, with a yeah. goldfish. Yeah, that's and, yeah. exactly the song. <laughs> um, we rate this, like, you know how David Migrant used something lame like five stars? Yeah, well, boring. Yeah, lame snooze. <laughs> we've changed it up. We've given it an eyebrow ring, uh, a cool snake tattoo, yeah. and a Linkin Park shirt. Some cystic acne. Yeah, yeah real bad. <laughs> and we will assign this film how many bodies out of five that you think this film is worth. I mean, it was bad, it was silly, but, like, it wasn't unwatchable. Like, I've seen worse things. Yeah. Maybe two yeah, bodies. Yeah, that's pretty generous. That's yeah. good. <laughs> I'm going to give it two and a half, because okay. I thought it was fun in Turkish. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I'd feel the same if I was watching yeah. it in English. So, director's cut is two. Turkish release is half. two, two it, and a half. It, reading the subtitles made me feel smart, man. Okay. <laughs> what about the theatrical release? Uh, I'm going to give this three bodies. This film didn't oh, wow. suck as much as a kind of and is it possible to have shit colored glasses about a memory? This, um, yeah, this film <laughs> is. Poo colored glasses. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I didn't mind this, to be honest. I was having a good time. It was quite zippy. Like, it's not as bad as people remember it being. Don't watch it, but it's not as bad as people yeah. remember it being. <laughs> you got nothing to do? Check it out. Yeah, why not? The we cast is fun. Now we've got to do the most important thing and figure out how many degrees of dust this film is separated from. 
This film has a Durst number of two. Fred Durst was in Be Cool with Gene Simmons, who was in Extract with Ben Affleck. So, yeah, the more you learn. Good to know. <laughs> now, Al, I don't think I trust computers. I think that computers are bullshit. I think your system fucking bullshit i'm putting everything on trial justice is blind and i got the real scoop on the just writing right here go ahead prove me wrong i'd love to see it when colin farrell's bullseye is introduced in his irish pub <gasps> mcfinnegan no. O'Fools, none other than house of pain with dj lethal, lethal. is playing in the yeah. background dj lethal best known for his work in Limp Biscuit. Hey, oh, I want to call that a Dirt rating of one. <laughs> Before we go, Lauren, thank you so much for popping on by, visiting my. It's coming. It's been nice to see another human oh, face. It's, <laughs> really nice. it's been nice to watch Daredevil. It's been nice to Google what new metal is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not quite rap. It's not quite wrong. <laughs> I'm just imagining you just like checking out on your phone. Yeah, You're like, yeah. oh, that. I was like, trying to work it out. And then I was like, in my head, before even watching this movie, I was like, I think it's like what AJ on The Sopranos listens to. That's 100%. And then he turns up in the movie. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I was right. He's kind of like the totem of new metal. I <laughs> Face um, of new metal. Where can we find you on the internet if you're looking to be found? Oh, I'm everywhere. Um, <laughs> I'm on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Lauren Y. Bonner. Um, or I have a podcast too called Were You Hot in High School? If you want to check that out. It's very, very funny. <laughs> <laughs> and you're also on the Fantastic Stan Australia Comedy Lockdown special. Am I saying that yeah. right? Because I said it a hundred times for promos. It's the all-new Stan Original Australian Lockdown Comedy Festival. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Rolls off the tongue so easily. <laughs> it really does. It's a few words. <laughs> um, We're going to do a lecture, please. Do <laughs> um, Sean, is there anywhere that people can uh, like, subscribe, follow? My cat is meowing. Uh, like, subscribe, and follow us on the internet. <laughs> of course. We are on Twitter as uh, Take a Look Pod, on Instagram as Take a Look Around Pod, and on Facebook as Take a Look Around the Podcast. At this point, we're just finishing up our run on Mad Mad Wicked Clown Love. I'll look into Juggalo Entertainment options. If you'll indulge us even further, for the month of July, we have got What's My Age Again, Artistic Offerings of the Manchild in Pop Punk Cinema on our Patreon. We'd love to hear from you, and we'd love to hear from your money and your ears. Essentially, I just want to get paid for watching Dude, Where's My Car? And if you guys could subscribe <laughs> to the Patreon, you'll make my dreams come true. <laughs> Perfect. Thanks so much, Lauren. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Uh, bye. Bye. Uh.